Hey everyone, this is your host, Jacob Sorum, and welcome to episode two of the Greenhouse Scholars Skills Modules podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to work alongside experts to teach important life, professional, and leadership skills in what we hope to be a fun and enjoyable way. If you have an idea of a skill, a topic, or an expert that you think that we should interview, let me know. We want all of you to have a say in the topics and the skills that we teach in our skills modules. So please, reach out to me, tell me what you want to learn next, and I'll work to make it happen. Also, have you ever considered co-hosting or being interviewed on a podcast? I'm looking for scholars who want to collaborate with me on producing and recording a future episode, so let me know. Now, if you haven't listened to our first episode ever, which dug into how to become an effective advocate, listen to it after this one. In episode one, I had a great conversation with an advocacy expert who will teach you how to better advocate for yourself and the things you believe in. Also, don't be sleeping on the written and video modules that are on our skills modules platform that you all have access to through the Greenhouse Scholars website. There are great lessons in there that could help you prepare for upcoming interviews, teach you how to make a standout resume, and even help you learn and practice a positive mindset in your personal life. Well, that's enough housekeeping for today, so let's get to it. You are about to hear a fun and lively conversation I had with a scholar alum of the class of 2019 and one of the most impressive personal branding experts that I have ever had the pleasure of meeting, Basil Lewis. In this episode, you're going to learn about personal branding, what it is, and how to leverage it to be successful in your personal and professional journeys. You'll learn tips on how to best tell your story, learn about who you are and identify your strengths and weaknesses. You'll find out how to use your authentic self to impress at an interview and succeed in the workplace. And we'll talk about imposter syndrome, which are feelings of self-doubt and incompetence that you might be struggling with and how to overcome those feelings. I don't really need to say much more about this episode. It's just awesome. And my co-host, Basil Lewis, in his own words, is a breath of fresh air. So let's get started. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the newest Greenhouse Scholar Skills Modules podcast. And this one is going to be the first episode in a two-part series all about personal branding. And in this episode, I'm going to be talking with my co-host all about personal branding, what it is, how to build a unique and effective personal brand, and just all-around tips. So I should go ahead and introduce my co-host for today, who is someone very special. Uh, it, which, his name is Basil Lewis, and Basil <laughs> is a scholar alum of the class of 2019 who went to Pitzer College. And I uh, guess, Basil, you can introduce yourself better than I can. Uh, yeah, I'm Basil, rhymes with facial. Some of you may or may not know me, graduated from the class of 2019. I am a personal lifestyle blogger and data analyst at Nielsen. Um, my main thing is where culture meets research. So yeah, that's me. Uh, Basil, I have to say, the, the way I got introduced to you is when I had originally pitched this idea of wanting to do a podcast about personal branding and I asked my colleagues, every single one of them was like, oh, well, 
you got to talk to Basial. And then they showed me <laughs> your, your uh, Cope Fashion um, website and then followed you on Instagram. And right away, I knew that this was, this was great. So um, please don't be modest. Like share, uh, what are some of those things that you've, you've created? Yeah, so I've created a lifestyle blog called Cope Fashion, which is about travel, lifestyle, tips for college. Um, I've also launched a new web series called Basial Dislineal, which is just about um, a boy from New York trying to navigate being a a millennial and a Gen Zer at the same time. And then also I, you know, write a little bit on the side. So I have some published works in NPR and Forbes. But yes, that's me. Oh, that felt kind of awkward, but we're here. <laughs> no one likes talking about themselves. Um, that <laughs> Thanks, Basial. Well, um, you know, now that we know, like, you know, who you are and why, I just feel like you are going to bring so much value to this conversation. We should hop in. And I think a great place to start in most things is, you know, so with uh, personal branding, I think what we need to know is what's the problem we're trying to solve? Like, why does personal branding exist? Why is it important? Um, And I know from, you know, my own experience, personal branding exists because, you know, it's a competitive and it's a crowded job market out there. And we all need to find ways to demonstrate you know, our value quickly, because sometimes you don't have much time to show to other people like what you're bringing to the table. Um, And so on that, I looked up uh, some little statistics on basically on first impressions. So yeah, we're getting very uh, statistical here. uh, (laughs) So first impressions are made within the first 17 seconds of meeting someone new. Mm -hmm. And the way that's broken down is that 55% of that perspective, that first impression is about what you see. So literally like the person in front of you, maybe the way they present themselves, the way that they're sitting up straight, you know, all of those things. 38% is the way that we actually hear your words. So not what you're saying, but the way that your words are coming across, you know, maybe the intonation in your voice. And then the smallest portion that makes up a first impression are the actual words that you're saying which mm. was kind of mind blowing to me because it, you know, it's like, oh, of course you want to say meaningful things, but it's all these other things that are just as important. I mean, do you, have you found that like to be true in your life? Yeah. I mean, oh, that, I mean, that, I always say my main stick and I just said it earlier is where culture meets research because there's so much nuance to even what you just said. And the fact that people um, they form a perception of you within the first 17 seconds and what you say, how you look, and knowing that depending on who that person is and who and whose lens is seeing you, that could come with stereotype, bias, and also a myriad of things that you may not even um, want to be putting out in the world. It's just systematically what people think. So I want to off jump, make a working definition and differentiate people's perception of you versus your own personal branding. So simply put, for me, personal branding is how you promote yourself, whether that's online, in person, via relationship, and beyond. And why it's important is because you're the CEO of that brand. You make the executive decisions, and you have the power to cultivate an image that will help establish credibility and morale in any room that you walk in. So I just want to like 
off jump establish that just for the person listening to know like people's thoughts of you aren't groundbreaking, but how you control that image and you're the CEO of that brand speaks volumes. I love that. That's so, that's such an empowering way to look at it because I think you, you brought up some important things. Like there are some things visually, right? Like that people have preconceptions. There are, you know, mm -hmm. there is racism. There are so many things that like you literally can't change. Like mm -hmm. you're not going to change the, who you are, your authentic self, but yeah. you do have a lot of things that you do have control over. Yes. Uh, and I like that the idea of focusing on those things. Yes. Um, yes, absolutely. You know, kind of, it made me think, Basil, about part of personal branding um, is just the idea of being able to share your story in an effective mm -hmm. and in a succinct way. And although we don't have control over our stories, right? We mm -hmm. all have lived experiences that we largely would just like fell into. Um, but we do have control over the way that we share those stories and the way that we pull, you know, who we are, our value, our lived experiences and whatnot, we have, we have control over how we turn those into our narrative. And so mm -hmm. I think that's a really empowering way to look at that. Yes. Um, so, you know, Basil, in, in your experience, what has been the importance in sharing your story when it comes to creating your personal brand? Ah, that is such a big question. Um, well, taking me out of it for a second and thinking about where we're right now and just like society in the world right now we're in the area the era of personalization which basically means people are seeking experiences that go beyond the surface level and really provide some type of individualistic insight and relatability um, we know that media influences culture and vice versa culture influences media so when it comes to creating a successful personal brand you have to keep that in mind. And so for me, I'll give an experience. Um, I was in college my sophomore year and I was applying for a marketing internship at either Calvin Klein or Disney. I can't remember the one, um, but the interviewer told me after the interview, she said, to be honest, Basil, we were apprehensive about your application because you didn't have the experience that the other applicants had. However, you have passion and I'd rather have someone that has passion over experience because you can teach data in this specific software, but you can't teach passion. Ah! <laughs> from that moment forward, my interviews went from zero to a hundred because she had told me something I did not know about my personal brand. I was someone that was passionate about things that I was that I wanted to apply for that I was investing in. And so from there, it was important for me to tell others why I wanted this role or why I was passionate about this subject and tell others about myself in an honest, attractive, and succinct way. I went into because it was a conference and a program, um, and the companies basically um, will pull your application and say they want to interview with you. I only got two interviews in that conference. But guess how many offers I left with? Two? Six. <laughs> what? I left with six offers. <laughs> Wait, because why does that math not make sense in my brain? Why does it? Why is the math not <laughs> mathing? Because I know who I am, or I, at least I figured out who I was. I led with passion. I led with who I am because hiring is truly 20% skill and 80% who you are. 
Mm. And that's where personal branding has helped me so much because I figured out who I was, what people like about me, what are my strengths, what I want to be known as when I walk into that room. And from that point forward, when I was interviewing somebody, I got a chance to dig deeper. If I'm applying for the Lincoln Financial Group for a marketing position, why do I care so much about finance? Because financial literacy in the Black community is a real thing, relating that to help them understand what makes sense to me. Why do I care so much about Disney? Because growing up, Disney played this part in my self-expression. You know, just finding those pockets where you fit because it's truly about not conforming to someone else. Just as much as that job, just as much as you need that job, the job needs you. Remember that. And I went on a tangent because I kind of got fired up, but. Oh my God, no, keep yeah. it going. If, if the rest of this podcast is me triggering you to go on a tangent, then that's a total success. Uh, Oh my God. I feel like I should follow that with an amen. That was awesome. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't agree more. I love the, the 20, hiring is 20% your skills, but 80% who you are. I think that's just so powerful. Like when we think of, you know, our scholar population here at Greenhouse Scholars, you know, people are going to such, you know, impressive schools. They're studying awesome things. Like they are excelling and all of that is great. And when you're at those, you know, whatever, hiring fairs, when you're at, you know, really competitive job interviews, everyone there will also have really impressive schools and really impressive grades. And it's just good to remember that, like, they want to hire you more than your school. They want to hire you more than your A's and your B's. They want to hire you more than, um, you know, a myriad of other things. They want to hire you. And so you need to find a way to be, like, honest and tell your story in like a succinct, attractive way. And like, you, you know, you, from that, the, the information you got from that one person that talked about your passion, it's like you mm. discovered this awesome thing that you have that set you apart from other people. And then you just dug into that, which, Basil, that, that what I want to know is. Well, so, before, before we get there, and I was yeah. just talking to um, my chief marketing officer, so when I wasn't talking to her personally, I'm not there yet, y'all. <laughs> um, but it was a team meeting um, for Mark Hub, and she was saying that culture eats strategy any day, meaning that we can create this complex strategy for the company, but if the culture, meaning that if the people there are not motivated, are not passionate, are not showing their authentic selves, it won't work. So I just want to leave that nugget when I say that hiring is 20% skill and 80% um, who you are, because that's what makes a company functions. And even outside of a company, that's what makes the world go round, because personal branding is more than just getting a job. It's about establishing morale and credibility in any room you walk in. And Jacob, I would like to know from you, um, just kind of turning the tables a bit for a second. even thinking about greenhouse applications um, and there are so many, have you had a chance to read yet? I'm sorry. I don't know how many. No, I've never read, but I did sit in on panel interviews last year when I first started here and they were incredible. Wow. Okay. So even taking that, because I read two times, so I had a chance to read applications twice, um, but I had to stop because it's, it's much more work than I think people think it is. Like it, it, you're not just like, oh, this is my favorite or oh, you have to really like look at an applicant holistically. Mm-hmm. Um, and so even in that panel process, from a personal branding perspective, um, 
what stood out to you the most? Was it the after, like the grades, the extracurriculars, or was it their story? Was it how they sold themselves? What stood out to you the most in those panel interviews? Rachel, that is such a great question. I'm so happy you turned this back on to me. Um, well, first of all, I just want to say you, you right there identified such an important point, which is everyone who's listening to this podcast is a scholar at Greenhouse Scholars. You have already demonstrated such a knack for personal branding because you are here. You are a Greenhouse Scholars. We have, you know, 3% of people who apply for this program get accepted. And so if you're mm. here, you demonstrated that you can connect, you know, our four values, leadership, community, relentlessness, and accountability. You can prove that your character, it like embodies those four things. So like, Oof. yeah, right there. Awesome. Like That's we cute. have personal branding experts here. Um but, you know, Vaishal, to answer your question, one of the things that came out most in the, and I sat in on a lot of panel interviews, is that a lot of the, the people, the, the students that we were interviewing that came off, I think, the strongest as far as their demonstration of leadership, their strongest as far as their relentlessness and their accountability, oftentimes it didn't come from what you would consider your typical, like, you know, leadership in a extracurricular or this and that, which that is great. And we have a lot of that in our scholar yeah. population, which is like can only help. And those are great experiences. Right. But it was also stories about taking care of a loved one of, you know, mm. working at the family business. And it just shows that like, if you can tell a good story about mm -hmm. the work you're doing, it can come from those really impressive leadership experiences you had in extracurricular. It can also come from the store you worked at. You know, like I bagged groceries when I was in, when I was a teenager. And so I can really relate with those stories when I hear them. Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, the answer to your question is people's personal brand comes from so many different places. It's yes. all about how they tell that story, which makes me think of a, of a good movie or a good book. You can have mm -hmm. the greatest storyline you know, one that's super engaging that I might love. If you can't tell that story in a good way, then I'm not interested. Like I'll put the book down. I don't care how impressive the, you know, the actual plot line is. If you can't actually tell it, then it's not interesting. Exactly. Um, oh, that's such a great way to say it. Uh, oh my gosh. Thank you. That's such a good question. Um, so I think this touches so much on what we were just talking about on in a, your ability to share your story in a good effective way to show your passion yes. i think the prerequisite there is truly knowing you knowing yep. yourself um so how i mean how has this been important for you basha like you just shared this moment where someone at an interview showed you something so introspective to who you are like mm -hmm. do you have any other stories around that or any like ideas on how to truly know you before you start sculpting that brand? Um, oh, there have been so many because uh, one thing I'll say is it's not easy. It took me years to confidently talk about myself and even my accolades. So at the beginning of the conversation when I was introducing myself and you're like, don't be modest about it, like talk about it. It is, it's not easy because bragging on ourselves and patting ourselves on the back for like the little rewards is, is not always like, well, I think now more than ever, it's been, we've been told to do so, but like, it's like, no, work harder. There's always something else you can get to. So know that like, pat yourself back on the back for the small things and know and start to write them down because knowing that your personal brand will and should evolve 
um, within the next five years. I mean, that's why people make 10 year, five year, three year plans, short term, long term goals, all that blase. So um, as far as my brand and how I built an effective brand and how I got here and examples is the first thing I had to do and a manager told me this at work, um, how do I want to be perceived? And do I wanna be known as the change maker in my community? Do I wanna be known as a great team player? Someone that I can rely on? You know, ask yourself, what do you wanna be known as? Once you figure those things out, you can begin to dig a little bit deeper into how you're gonna build your personal brand. For example, I wanna be known as someone that is creative, collaborative, resourceful, and a breath of fresh air. So whenever I walk into a room or join a Zoom call or get on a podcast, I want the other person to feel at peace, seen and heard when they're interacting with me. So everything I do around my personal brand is how can I make sure I'm a breath of fresh air for someone else today? So that's just the starter of it. I love that. I love uh, a goal of being a breath of fresh air. Yeah, a unique thank you. one. Um, <laughs> so you know that is the goal. Those are, are how you want to be perceived. Yeah. As far as reconciling that with how people actually perceive you, mm-hmm. I mean, do you think it's a good idea? I know I've I've like read online. You know, there's all these exercises you can do if you want to reconcile the difference between how you see you and how others of asking people you know like writing down the top three things that you think you are to others and then asking the closest people in your life whether that's family friends colleagues to do the same Mm -hmm. and then just see how much those three words across all those different people you know how they are similar or maybe they're different and that might give you some some homework you know like oh people People may not see me as a collaborator. What can I do to be a better collaborator? Um, right. I think that can be really useful. It could be super useful. I mean, I did it. And you have to get a, you have to get a different people. Like it has to be like, oh, you can get a professor to do it or get someone from Greenhouse Scholars to do it, you know, Allison or you to do it. Um, or also your friend and and you just want an unbiased opinion. I mean, granted, the people know you, but just ask them to be honest about it. Like three adjectives that would describe me when you first think about me. And then compare those to um, what you want to be perceived as. And if they align, that's great. If they don't, what are some action items that could make them align? So with me at work, going back to my manager, I was known as a person that could entertain, that could sell the information, but not as the person who could provide it. Mm. that upset me not upset me I, it kind of upset me but it, it made me think like hmm so you see me as a person that can like entertain you with it and tell you about it but I can't really like ground you in it like I can't give you the gravitas to it um which basically means I, I to me I mean I had a lot of work to do I needed to understand what I was talking about why I was talking about it understand the why behind the numbers so that when I'm presenting it out to you, you can ask me follow-up questions and somebody that you can really rely on to provide you actual information and not just to sell it out to you. Hmm. That's, that sounds really powerful. And Facial, that is such an important reminder of the importance of like getting real constructive criticism from people. Um, And from people that aren't just your friends, you know, actually getting that from a supervisor 
uh, it's hard, right? It's hard learning these lessons um, or even just the feeling of rejection is hard, but it provides such good opportunities to grow and to be like, okay, so I'm being uh, like, they see me as someone that can really hype up the idea of this thing, but they don't, they're not seeing me as a person that can actually close it, that has the, you know, the, the definitive yes or no on things. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's a great learning opportunity. Yeah. Um, and that's something that I still struggle with. So once you get that constructive criticism, it may not happen overnight. I'm still dealing with it a year later. Well, we all are. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah, all these things, anything surrounding who you are as a person can make you feel vulnerable and it's hard and we are always growing and learning, um, which makes me think about another question I wanted to ask you, which is about as far as learning who we are as people before we can actually, you know, create an effective brand and demonstrate our value, personality tests. What are your yeah. what are your thoughts on those? I know you and I talked briefly once about the Myers Briggs, and I just want to hear yes. your thoughts on like, first of all, what is a personality test, and what is it meant for you? And then I'm also happy to chime in because I know, I mean, just not to bias your answer, I'm a big fan. Oh, great. Okay, because you can probably <laughs> speak to it a little bit better than I can as far as like what exactly the letters mean. I just know that I went to career services one day at school. And if you haven't been to your career services, you should go. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were like, did you have you taken the Myers Briggs personality test? It's, it kind of like tells you, you know, your strengths, your weaknesses, what career fields you'll probably excel in best how you work in relationships. And, you know, these tests, they won't have you to a T, but it's kind of just a general bucket if you relate to it. These are some like key takeaways from people that have your same um, personality types or that will make the same decisions as you if you were in that situation. Um, So for me, the personality test was groundbreaking because it told me I was an entertainer. And up until that point, I knew I loved to entertain, but to see it in written form and to see all the strengths and weaknesses, I was like, huh, okay. So that test really gave me, it it helped me with my personal brand. Okay, I wanna take this strength as someone that values aesthetics, someone that's very outgoing, someone that loves to collaborate. Okay, these are my weaknesses, someone that doesn't pay that much attention to detail, which is very true, I'm not detail oriented. Um, I'm more of a big picture guy, Um, but it's like, those are my weaknesses. So how do I make my strengths compensate for my weaknesses? And how do I make my weaknesses not detrimental to um, an environment where it will be needed the most? So the personality test just changed the whole game for me as far as like how I navigated my personal brand. What about you, Jacob? Yeah, I love what you said there. It's so funny how you can know your strengths already, right? Like we Mm -hmm. all kind of already know like, oh, I really like this and I seem to be good at it. Or I'm like, man, I really suck at paying attention to the details. Like that's not my thing. Yeah. But it's so empowering when someone else or something else validates it for you, right? Like I've always known that I'm an extrovert but for some reason, just like having the Myers-Briggs test, being like, hey, you're an extrovert, uh, was like, oh, wow, I, that is a skill I have, you know? It's like, yeah. It's like the classic thing of like telling your parents something like, hey, this is right. And they don't listen to you. But then when they hear like a doctor say it, they're like, oh, my doctor said this. It's like, I've been telling you this for years. Yeah. But now finally you feel validated because someone else told you. Um, right. So, yes, I have a similar story. I was in my early 20s and 
was just in the searching stage and, and I wanted to know like, okay, I think I, I think I know the path I want to go down. I better yeah. get a second look. And so I went to a, a community career counseling service that was free and I took the Myers-Briggs. And um, I guess, first of all, personality tests, there are so many out there. So the Myers-Briggs, which we're talking about is one of many. Um, you can always find them for free online. And uh, I guess it's a, just a good quick disclaimer they're not magic lamps. Like they're not telling me exactly or Vaishal exactly what we should do with our lives, but they're great guides. Um, so, so back to, you know, the Myers-Briggs for me, I was an ENF, or I shouldn't say was, I probably still am an ENFJ, which I looked it up, which it means that, so the E is for extroverted, uh, the N is for intuitive, the F is for feeling, and the J is for judging which I hate the word judging, but in this context, it means different. It's different than what you think. Uh -huh. um, so ENFJs are people that, um, let's see, are energized by spending time with others. Um, we focus on big pictures and cons concepts rather than like facts and details. Um, we make decisions based on feelings and values, and we prefer to be planned and organized rather than spontaneous and flexible. That's kind of what those four acronyms stand for. Wow. And there's a lot in there that's true. And one of the really powerful things from my experience with this is, yes, it was empowering to hear all of those things and think about like, oh, yeah, like I do like to, you know, make decisions based on feelings. Um, but also these tests oftentimes are really robust. So like the Myers-Briggs has tested tens of thousands of people in their careers with these tests. And so they can give you really accurate samples of like, hey, people who are also ENFJs tend to exceed and like succeed in these career paths. Yeah. And that was so useful for me in being like, oh, wow, I never thought of, you know, going into, like for me, it was like counseling was one of them uh, or like, you know, nonprofit work. And so it was just so formative for me. And I, I would definitely recommend it to anyone. Yeah. I, I, and I even recommend it to my baby sister. Like my baby sister has switched from wanting to be a, a vet to now wanting to do um, sports medicine. I'm just like, okay, babes, we got to take the Myers-Briggs test. Let's find out where some of your strengths and weaknesses are, what career fields you may be interested in the most, and let's move from there. Um, it's a great foundation, to say the least, if you are lost and you just don't know where to go. Um, it's a great foundation, I would say. Definitely. And it can be nice to know what famous people are share your personality types. So, yes. I mean, I don't want to come off as too bragging, but I know that Barack Obama and <gasps> Oprah Winfrey are also ENFJs. Oh, my God. So, you know, that was empowering as well to know. That is um, empowering. They're my North Star. <laughs> I love that. I think my two, I think it was like Marilyn Monroe and Adele, which, <laughs> I'll, which I'll take, honestly. I would take. They're both great entertainers. <laughs> um, so Basha, I think, you know, we've covered about like knowing you and the importance of that in, in personal branding. We've talked a little bit about, you know, sharing your story. What about knowing your audience, right? So like if a, a brand, a personal brand is just like a brand of a product, right? You need to know who you're marketing to uh, and you need to tailor that brand, right? To the audience that um, you know, you are seeking, right? That audience may be your future employer. It may be a certain career field. Like if you're an engineer, well, maybe you need to tailor your personal brand towards engineering things. Um, yeah. So, you know, how is that 
how do you think about audience in terms of your own branding and, and some of the things you've created? Yeah, well, one, um, your audience changes um, depending on the setting in the room that you, you're in. But um, thinking about, I want to take a step in personal branding is not just about careers, y'all. I want to stress that so much because I know there are a lot of people like, well, I'm entering the STEM field or where I'm entering marketing and personal branding. But it's also about, as Jacob just literally said, that like when you're interviewing for something like a scholarship to be a part of a program or collective to get a grant, um, to connect with someone just to like know them. It is, that is literally your personal brand in every setting character. Your character speaks mm -hmm. volumes, whether you're in or outside of the room. Um, so when talking about your audience and how you get to know your audience, it just depends on um, what setting you're in. If you know that you wanna be if you know that you're going to be talking to greenhouse scholars, this is my audience right now. So how do I connect my personal brand to you all? And if I know that I'm at my job, how do I connect to that audience? So I don't know if I answered it completely, but if you if you have a, a specific like question about audience, feel free to like dig deeper into that. Or if you have an example, feel free. But that's just that was my first thought. No, I think that's I think that is perfect. I think we don't need to get too scientific with it, right? Like you should know your audience. If, if you're creating a brand because you want to be the expert in X or you want to be famous for Y, you should just like, first of all, I think that's part of knowing you and knowing your mm -hmm. passions. And then that might dictate who your audience is. Um, I think part of it with knowing your audience is, and this touches a little bit on what we'll get around into our in our next episode, which is all about yeah. personal branding in, in the digital world. But um, we need to be careful of like when we create things or, or how we're perceived in like online, right? Because your audience is massive. Mm. So you might, I think it's unfortunate, but you might have like this, these things in your life that don't really resonate with who you are or who you were once, but then they live online forever. Ooh. And it's not, I'm not trying to say that like you need to hide your authentic self. That is definitely not what I'm saying. Your mm -hmm. personal brand needs to be actually you, but I think it's, knowing your audience is sculpting that brand sometimes to, you know, be for this. And you, I feel like you can have different brands. So what do you think about that? Like, kind of like I can have a different personality at work than I can at home. I just wonder, like, can I, is it possible to have like your career focused personal brand, your side project personal brand? Like, does that make sense? It's, it is literally okay to have it all. But I think that with Generation Z, what um, their slash we are starting to do is merge it all. It's like before work was like, okay, this is my work life and my personal life is here. It's just like when I pop on the computer, I'm a completely different person. Or when I walk into the, the office, my intersections or the person I am just leaves me. But it's like Generation Z is no longer doing that. It's marrying it all a bit because like I just said, culture eats strategy. So I need to bring my whole self to this job. And um, I think that there are certain like precautions, not precautions is the word, but there are certain things to consider um, in a corporate space, of course, when it comes to your personal brand. So you are a different person at work versus like hanging out with your friends. You talk different or you say different things. But um, overall, I think your core values of who you are should tread 
through all of those things. Mm -hmm. So I know I'm someone that wants to uplift my community, someone that puts um, my identity as being queer, Black, low income, that goes with me everywhere, whether that's at work, whether it's at Greenhouse, whether that's with my friends. So no matter what I'm doing, I'm always like, how can I align my work back to that? Oh, I love that. That's, that deserves another amen. Um, <laughs> that, that's great. And that, that will only make your personal brand more effective because it's authentic. Yeah. And we all, yeah. it's just a natural thing. We connect with authenticity and realness. Um, mm -hmm. I love that point. It, it makes me think of just with the authentic piece. Um, imposter syndrome is such a widespread, uh, God, I want to say epidemic. I mean, we all struggle with it. Yeah. Um, and many people more than others for very real reasons. And it's something that I think will, it can be a very long-term battle that you can carry with you late into your career. Mm -hmm. And it's a huge barrier to expressing your true self, feeling comfortable with sharing like all those intersections with your identity that you just shared, like it can feel, feel intimidating to share that outside of certain contexts. Like, oh no, that's my personal self. I keep that to my home. I don't bring that to the office. And you just yeah. made this great point of like, no, like there's an appropriate and real way to, to be yourself there. So how have you, or I guess maybe I should ask on a more personal level, like how has imposter syndrome maybe affected your life? Has it not? And like, have you found any tips or any advice uh -huh. you give? Well, I want, I, Jacob, I want to hear your response so bad. Um, so I'll be quick. I personally face imposter syndrome um, at work the most, like in all the other areas of my life, I'm confident. I'm like Basial the Zillennial, I'm Basial the blogger, I'm Basial the friend, I'm Basial the president of this club. But when it came to work, I was like Basial the associate. Um, <laughs> and I was just like, there's no big in front of that. It's just based on the associate. So I was very insecure. Um, and still kind of to this day, I literally, when I first started working, I would compare myself to my manager, who's the VP. And I'm just like, Basil, you're three months into this role and you're comparing yourself to a man that's been here for six years, but also has done work outside of this company for more than six years. So it's just like, let's level set. So I think the main thing with like this imposter syndrome is comparing yourself to other people. You don't know, it's like jogging. You know, you're jogging, you're running and you see someone in front of you, for example, Jacob's in front of me running. And I run past Jacob. And when I get past Jacob, I start to slow down a little bit because I finally passed him. But I feel like I won, but I really didn't. I don't mm. know how long Jacob was running before me. Hmm. Jacob could have been running for 30 minutes before me. And I just started this run. I don't zoom past him thinking that I did. So I said that to say comparing yourself is literally, and I, I know y'all hear this all the time. It is literally not a good thing to do it's good to look at people and find inspiration in people but know that your goals are your goals and um what you want to accomplish and in your personal brand is your personal brand so um i want to hear about you jacob though have you faced imposter syndrome if so any tips because i'm interested personally too oh yes they shall i have and I almost, I want to go ahead and say that if, if you haven't faced imposter syndrome, 
I feel like you have, like you maybe just haven't really yep. thought about it in that way or reconciled it because it is such a human emotion. Um, so I know I struggle with this and, and still do it in, in many ways, but especially when I first entered my professional career in my early 20s, um, I've always, and maybe this is part of me going back to ENFJ, um, uh -huh. I've always had mentors in my life and role models and people I looked up to. And I had, you know, what sometimes they were famous people like, oh my God, I am so, I just feel like that person just really has it. Like, how do I be more like them? You have famous was, mentors? No, no, not personally. You know, just oh, like, you're like, like oh. <laughs> you know, be like thinking of like Martin Luther King Jr. And be like, God, that guy was so awesome. Like, how do I follow okay. footsteps like those? You know, so just going on record that Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was not your mentor. No, no, he wasn't. Okay, he wasn't. okay, okay, uh, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, if he was, then I am a lot older than I look. Uh, <laughs> um, so. You know, what I realized is that when I got into the workplace, I also was doing that with managers and bosses that I had mm -hmm. who I really respected. Like, oh my God, like, how did you get to where you are? Like, I always defer to your opinion. Like, and you know, you've really earned the right to have these really awesome, strong opinions. And I found that I wasn't, I was much less apt to share my own voice or to question things or to be curious about ways we were doing things um, or like oh you had this idea like I'll just go along with it because I really defer to your opinion because I just look so much up to you and I want to mm -hmm. be like you right and that is first of all that's not healthy and it's not healthy for any business that you're in people want you to be curious and they want you yes. to question things because that's part of like having really great diversity of thought right and coming up mm -hmm. with the best ideas and so it took me years to finally find that voice of like, you know, people can be your superiors and be super smart and they still want you to question them. And you don't need to look at up to them in this like, you know, um, unhealthy or idealistic way. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, what a really funny thing that happened is I just think as we grow, once you get into your mid twenties or your early thirties and you start to meet people that you really held high esteem for you realize that they're just humans and figuring it out too. And a lot of them are just like BSing their way through life. Like, you know, <laughs> they just happen to be more successful or, you know, gotten at the right time. And so it's just nice to know that everyone is going through the same stuff. And so mm. it helped me find space, like take up the space, mm -hmm. find my voice and know that like I should share my opinion. Ah, oh, I love that. Especially with you said that we're all just like figuring it out but it's so relate, it hit home because I relate to like deferring to someone else. Like I still do that now. And so going back to those six offers that I landed and, you know, getting the job, when I got in the job, they're expecting me to be like this big change maker. And it's like, I'm deferring to someone else's opinion when in actuality, I had the sauce all along. I had the answers. They want to know the perspective that I can bring in because I brought such a unique perspective in this interview. And that's where that, like, I can, like, you know, I can't sell you on it, but I can, like, hype it up. That's where that came mm -hmm. from. That's, that's like another example of me hyping it up, but not because you want to deliver on what you piped up. Um, yep. But also acknowledging that that comes with challenges. So imposter syndrome is the space you're in. Um, 
really um, a safe space for you to you know, ask questions as to why. And then there's a certain way that you bring those questions up. So Jacob, that totally relates to me, that hit home. So Aww. thank you. Well, we have something, we have many things in common. That's one of them. Uh, you know, it, 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 does, it should hit home. And it's like, it's uh, one of those things where when you start asking more questions or you're curious, you mm -hmm. see, you come off as more like mature and like you, you know, you sit up straight and right, you're like sharing your opinions and then people will see you in that light and then they'll start talking and interacting with you in more of like, not like, not as far as like you're their le leader, but they'll just defer like, oh, Jacob has good opinions or he has, he asks good questions. And then that actually might empower you to be more um, open with your thoughts. And so it can really just be this like, you know, snowball effect. So, but the hardest mm -hmm. part is just, you know, doing it at first. And I also just feel like I should have the asterisk of, you know, there's a difference between, you know, coming to the a decision-making table and being like, I'm right. I have all the right ideas. Like, that's not what I'm saying. It's more of just, you deserve to ask the questions that you want to know the answers to. It's not mm -hmm. like saying that you are going to be like, you're the smartest person in the room because that's not getting over imposter syndrome. It's just knowing that you belong there. Exactly. Oh, that, that's a great asterisk that you just added there because it's like caveating, like you're asking questions for clarity. You're asking questions to know the result of something, not, you know, just to prove your point. So like, okay, um, well, what do we expect the end result of that to be? Or why are we choosing this methodology? What are we, what is the KPI we're putting behind that? So it's just like asking those questions because nine out of 10, other people want to ask it too, or you'll be able to come to a better conclusion because you have another thought. I love that. So facial, this is a hard question. Um, I think it's time for it. I think we've warmed up and one part of personal branding that is so important, which is like all things, you need to have a long-term view. Like you, mm -hmm. you are your person now. You are someone right now in this moment that has a personal brand, but you I also am. have a future and a legacy. And so part of personal branding is knowing what you want to be known for, right? Like mm -hmm. I know what, you know, I want to be known for some things that I know I'm not ready yet. Like I'm not the expert yeah. in a lot of things that I want to be the expert yet but my personal brand should be moving me in that direction. Mm -hmm. So what is the importance of like knowing what you want to be known for and just having that roadmap? Yeah, future proofing for whatever's to come. Um, the importance of that is, is you get to plan out the steps that you need to take to get to that future self. You know, a good opportunity can come to you at the wrong time. There are a lot of people that say like, I want to work with Beyonce, or I want to work with Jay-Z, or I want to be side by side with Barack Obama, but are you ready for that? Mm. When you have that seat, at the, if you were to get that seat at the table right now, what would you add to that conversation? And I had to think about that because I'm like, okay, well, what could I add to that conversation? Because these people, they got it. So future-proofing and the importance of thinking about your future brand is thinking about when I do get to that table, what can I add or how can I add value, not mm -hmm. only to those people, but myself and my brand? Um, and I think that's so important. So for me personally, you know, I want to be a full-time content creator, like working at my job, love it, boots down. Um, but for future self, I want to be working on my own, really developing um, content with research and helping people connect the dots in their life um, and giving them content in ways that they best consume it, whether that's through video, photos, 
blog posts, etc. So how am I working towards that? And what am I, and, and, and who am I pulling on? Because another thing about personal branding is collaborating. You need to pull on other people because you have a community um, to make that happen. Um, what grants am I applying for? What programs am I applying for? Who am I talking to to expand my worldview? Um, who do I look up to? Not comparing myself, but who do I draw inspiration from? What is their story? Am I reaching out to them? Um, what am I doing on my my weekends? Not saying that you need to overwork yourself, but you know, what am mm-hmm. I doing in my spare time to build my personal brand? Whether that's publishing a LinkedIn post every month, and I know we'll get into that in episode two, but long-winded answer to say all of that you're totally right I I like how at the end you did you hinted on this idea of what are you doing in your free time and that that totally involves like your um mental health and taking care of yourself right like oh yes you need to do the things that make you happy and that's Mm -hmm. part of your personal brand because you can't be you can't be successful and have like an engaging inviting brand if you're not taking care of yourself like that's pretty obvious when someone is just like you know, struggling and not happy. And you got to make sure you're putting yourself first. And you also touched on this great point of like being purpose-driven. You know, the the most successful brands now, because, you know, Generation Z and millennials, we have kind of changed the way brands work in that yeah. we want all of our brands to have purposes, right? Like, mm-hmm. even though some of them don't always live up to it, you know, like Nike, for example, like doesn't always live up to their purpose, but they have like a really strong purpose statement of, creating a healthy planet and healthy communities or like Tesla wants to like, um, you know, transition the world to sustainable energy and they're a car company, right? Like that is also so true with us as, as people Mm -hmm. is that we need to be purpose driven. And that purpose is all of those things. It's who you are. It's your story. It's where you see yourself in the future, right? Like that's part of your purpose. And um, just letting that be seen, right? If you're, if you're following that purpose, people will notice. It's, you know, it's kind of hard to hide that. Like we all meet people that are so purpose-driven. You're like, oh my God, that person's going to change the world. Uh, and I want to be a part of it with them. Those yeah. people that you meet that are just so purpose-driven that you make, the, you make other people want to be a part of whatever you're trying to do. It's like, I want to, uh, Dale, I don't know if you know Dale Shanee, Um Martin, do you know, have you met Dale yet? She's, I, don't I know. think she just graduated this year. She went to Pitzer um, and she has like a costume. She's a co- she wants to be a cosmetic, she has like a cosmetic line and she wants okay. to be a cosmetic chemist and she's a greenhouse scholar. Her from high school, I met her on a college tour. I told her about greenhouse. She applied, she got it, all this stuff. But from literally high school to now, she's always said she wanted her own cosmetic line her vision and her purpose was so captivating that whatever I could do to be a part of it to help her get there, I wanted to. And that's what I think people should aspire to. Your purpose being so large, so infectious that people want to be a part. I hope that someone sees my blog, someone sees me on LinkedIn and say, I want to be a part of whatever Basha's doing because this is so purpose-driven, you know? Yeah. A good point, Jacob. Well, I love, I love that. And, and that is just so like, it's purpose-driven and whatever, you know, Dell, is that her name? Yeah. Uh, you know, people like that, they do it in a way that's inviting. Like they're like mm-hmm. inviting Basha along for like, hey, Basha, I'm taking over the world and I want you with me, right? Like that is, that's so infectious. Yes. Um, and that is just like also being inviting and being 
you know, just open and personable, right? Like you're not going to do these great lofty things on your own mm-hmm. and your brand should be inviting and, and you should be helping others just as much they might, as they might want to help you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So Basial, I think we should have, I have one last question for you. This okay. has been an action-packed, fun uh, yes. episode and I'm looking forward to number two. Um, but you were a Greenhouse Scholar. You I are was. a Greenhouse Scholar. I am. Uh, alumni. <laughs> but, you know, you were, you were in college. You were a very busy college person, just like everyone else in our program. What can people do right now while they're in college to start building that effective brand? Um, you know, even before, let's say, they even have much career experiences. Like, what can people do right now to start doing all the things that we just talked about. Yeah, well, we've given a lot of great nuggets in here, um, which I feel like there'll be a key takeaway somewhere, but one, doing that how you perceive yourself versus how others perceive you. I think that's great to like do to start building your personal brand. Two, the Myers-Briggs test is a great um, start. And then three, thinking about um, what you're passionate about, like what what's your purpose and that's such a big question I don't want to say what's your purpose in life but like what you're passionate about what truly gets you going and then how can you find um intersections of that within everything that you're doing so I think those are three solid things to like start thinking about to build your personal brand and after you do that start to document it because that's mm. where we live and we're going to get to that in episode two but we live in the digital era so starting to document that somewhere and starting to put that out to you know hear from other people is going to be so important because other people may contribute to your personal brand or think about it in ways that you aren't already doing so and it helps you evolve because you're not the first person to spin the block I mean there are so many people before you so um ideas are not you know new they're just recreated in a new way so just those are just a couple of thoughts uh, yeah that's so true and I think uh, one of the tools and I, I wouldn't be a good program team member at Greenhouse College if I didn't plug at least one program uh-huh. aspect while on this uh, episode is our individual impact plan is designed for that we want you to be able to think about all of your passions and your interests and your mm. your lofty goals and put those down on paper and it's an evolving document that you're updating all the time that should help leave a trail and create a roadmap of like what your brand is, what your passions are, and the fact that those things change and that's fine. And like you said, Basha, like actually writing it down or leaving that trail is powerful because it needs to be seen. You know, if mm-hmm. you're if your story and if your brand is not visible to anybody else, then that's not necessarily good branding, right? You you need to start working on how to make those things visible. Um, so right. My 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 manager, she told me, she said, me not finding anything about you on Google um is just as bad as me finding something bad. Like you want you want to be searchable in this day and age. You want to have something out there. So start to build something of your your own. You know? I'm so happy you said that, Basil, because I Googled you before we started today. And then I really me just to kind of do a little test. You are your Google self is so much more impressive than me. There's like Forbes articles on there 
and Pitzer has highlighted you and your pictures are fabulous. And then I Googled me and, you know, not nearly. Not no, nearly no. I mean, it's a good I mean, it's a, I have homework to do. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, I'm a bit younger. Not to be say it like that, but, you know, we just kind of got on it a bit quicker. Mm, mm. I will say I was happy that my first Google hit was the fact that I work at Greenhouse Scholars, which I'll take as a win. That's mm-hmm. a win. No, that's an absolute win. That's very wholesome. That's very wholesome. So, Well, Basil, this has been great. Thank you so much. Wow. I, I feel like this conversation, we, we really hit on a lot of important points, things that people can actually do, like actionable things. And mm-hmm. I know that we have a lot more that we've left out for next episode, which I think will be from what we have so far, will be all about, you know, building powerful personal brand in the mm. digital world. And, you yes. know, that there'll be a lot of like things that you can actually start doing right now in that episode. Yes. So get your pens and papers and laptops ready. Yep. There will be a quiz. <laughs> not a quiz. <laughs> uh, well, Vajal, thanks for being here today. Well, not, not physically, but, you know, virtually. You're in New York. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we'll talk again real soon. All right. Thanks for having me. And it feels so good to be back with the Greenhouse Scholars. Talk to y'all later. See you, Rachel. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening, everybody. I hope you found this conversation about personal branding to not only be educational and useful. I hope it was fun to listen to. A big takeaway that I'd like you to walk away with is that you don't need to wait until you are in your career to start marketing yourself. You, right now, today, have so much to offer and your story is what makes you unique. So don't be afraid to share who you are or your story because that is what will set you apart from the competition. And trust me, it will draw others to you and they will be excited to help you get to where you want to go. If you have any questions about personal branding or want to learn more, reach out to Basil. You can find him basically anywhere on the internet, including Instagram, LinkedIn, and of course, on the Greenhouse Scholars website. Okay, everybody. I hope you've enjoyed episode two of the Greenhouse Scholars podcast. This episode is part one of a two-part series that I am doing with Basil. So if you liked listening to Basil, which I don't know who wouldn't, or if you want to learn you know, more specific tips and tricks about personal branding online and in the digital world, then tune in next time for part two. So that's all for me, from me for today. So take care of yourself, make time for whatever brings you joy, and see you next time.